You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is the college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, something I want to make sure you're aware of because, man, tonight's got me more excited for it. In two, I think it's two weeks, we're going to um, just have, when I say just, I mean, um, it'll simply be this. We're going to have a worship night, say, like Tuesday night, and instead of a message and things like that, we're going to have a worship night. And we're even going to, I think we're going to try to, uh, we have such an awesome uh, sound engineer team back there. We're even going to try to record that night. And um, I don't know what we're going to do with it, but... <laughs> Uh, we're going to try to record, and man, I think it'll be, that'd be full, uh, cool. So I hope that you'll be here um, on that too. I hope you're always here, but that Tuesday especially, it's going to be a fun time of worship. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. As we were singing, I made me think, um, isn't it just cool? If you're, not, if you're not a believer, like this won't make much sense, but isn't it cool when you just sense the Lord is in the room, like when he's just there? And it made me think, just like kind of help put things into perspective. I always think like, like metaphors and things. But it's kind of like when uh, someone shows up that you weren't expecting, but there's someone you like, you love, right? I don't mean just to mean like romantically, but just someone that you care about and you're surprised to see them there. Like, so to give a, I guess like a more quote romantic example, I even think about when, when I was going to propose to Lauren and I was already living in Lubbock. She was back in Jacksonville and I showed up at her door and she was like, what are you doing here? But it was a, it was a happy, what are you doing here, right? Um, I think about, think about when you're at a, you go to a restaurant or something and you run into one of your best friends. I feel like girls do this, because like, Stephen said it for a second, guys like, dude, what's up, man? Good to see you, bro. But g- girls like run to each other from the other side of the restaurant. And I feel like the guys are always like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something special about when you see somebody that you love and it's kind of a surprise, like it, you, were, you weren't expecting it, um, whether, again, whether it be romantic or not. And what's cool about the Bible is I feel like over and over again, I find that um, you could even say surprised, though I shouldn't be, the places that Jesus turns up. And so what I mean by that is like um, all the scripture points towards Jesus. So I shouldn't be surprised by that. But at the same time, you know, so much of Scripture is about like how to live a godly life and just talking about who God is um, as the Trinity. A different, you could give a billion different examples. But because Jesus is the crux, the focal point of Scripture, and obviously the one like he is the lover of our souls, when, when you see him in Scripture and you weren't expecting it, there's, it's, like, it's like running into your, your spouse, well, boyfriend, girlfriend, sorry guys, <laughs> um, uh, when you weren't expecting it, right? You're just like, oh man, it's so good to see you here. Even think about, like, not just in scripture, but even in your life when you're in a low point and all of a sudden you just sense the nearness of God. Isn't that just, there's something refreshing and special about that. Um, as we've been going through the Psalms, something I want to do tonight, if I'm honest, it, it may feel, and this is not a bad thing, it, it probably is going to feel a little bit more like teaching than preaching um, because I want to give you maybe a, another tool to put in your tool belt as you study the Bible. Um, and I think this will be really, really encouraging at the same time. And by the way, what's passing through my brain, uh, a buddy asked me the other day, uh, per last week's conversation, he said, hey, are you going to, like in the, in the fall, until we get a journey guy, 
um, are you going to be preaching the same messages on Tuesday and Sunday? And the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> uh, if you're worried about that, I promise not. We're going to be in, uh, when we start back up in the venue on Tuesday nights, we're going to be going through the book of, Pro- not going through, like in the book of Proverbs, because man, like, I don't know if there's a better time in your life to gain wisdom from Scripture. And so we're going to be doing that. And uh, it's going to have the same title we did a couple years ago when we were in Proverbs uh, called Don't Be an Idiot. But uh, it won't be the same series, I promise. All new messages. And then uh, on Sundays in the venue uh, starting August 18th, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. And so totally different, I promise. Um, So that said, tonight's a little bit more like teaching. And to kind of get us going, uh, first of all, go ahead and turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, if you have your Bible. That would be awesome. Super, man, super cool psalm. Psalm 22. And while you're turning there, um, to kind of get you, get the the wheels turning a little bit. So if you go out to a game uh, at Dodger Stadium out in L.A., which is super cool, super cool experience, um, because you can see the Hollywood sign. It overlooks downtown L.A. My my boy here, you ever been to Dodgers game? Okay, you know, are you a Dodgers fan? Oh, okay, kind of. <laughs> I thought he was giving me a dirty look for a second. <laughs> I hate the Dodgers. Um, so I'm a Rangers fan, but Dodgers, it's just cool. Anyways, so Dodgers Stadium, was interesting is it is. It's this old, I don't know when it was built, but it's compared to the Rangers Stadium, much older stadium. There's just nostalgic feel in the stadium, right? Um, and so this, the game itself, as it's happening in the, in the stadium, is really entertaining. It's engaging. It's an incredible moment. But when the skies are clear, and if you're sitting on the right, uh, meaning the, the correct part of the stadium, you can see beyond the stadium, there's mountains. I don't know what that mountain range is called. Um, but you can see the mountains from the stadium. And so there's, there's this dual beauty going on. Does that make sense? Of uh, Even if you don't like baseball, being in that stadium, the nostalgia there, even if you know nothing about the Dodgers, there's just something about it that's pleasant and refreshing, the palm trees around the stadium and stuff. So there's that, the entertainment, the beauty of that. But then again, there's beyond that, there's even, I would say, a bigger, more uh, incredible beauty of the mountains. So there's, there's two things kind of happening at once. And when we read the book of Psalms and all the different Psalms, it's very similar to that. Of There's this kind of local, immediate beauty that has direct application. But then there's this bigger, I would even say better beauty that also has direct application and implications for us. Does that make sense? Um, And the Psalms. And so just to be real clear up front, and I'll I'll give you some uh, kind of testimony for why that, I guess evidence for why that is. But the two things going on, maybe I would say the smaller like local beauty of the stadium to keep that metaphor is just us identifying with the psalmist and learning how to pray to God, how to cry out to God in desperation, things like that, or how to rejoice, uh, how to pray. And the bigger beauty is, I'll give you a hint, is the focal point of the Bible? Jesus, Jesus, yeah, Jesus. Um, And again, I believe all scripture points to Jesus ultimately, but in the Psalms, it's a little bit thicker. Uh, and let me, let me talk, talk you through that for a little bit. First, with your, hold your finger in Psalm 22, or at Psalm 22, and turn to Luke 24 for just a second, because I want you to, I don't always have you turn to everything, but I want you to see this real quick. Luke 24. Am I talking loud enough in the back? Can y'all hear me? Good? Okay. Sorry, bro. <laughs> All right, Luke 24. Uh, and we're going to look at verse 44 in a second. You've probably seen this before. But this 
when this occurs, Jesus had already been crucified and the ground had begun to shake. The stone was rolled away and whatever comes after that line, I can't remember, but uh, he had risen and death was beaten. He had already appeared to the disciples at least once. And uh, verse 44, he's walking um, with some disciples and he says, uh, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the get- for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning, beginning from Jerusalem. He got a little rap proclaimed in his name. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm weird. Okay. Listen to what Tremper Longman, he's, a, he's an Old Testament scholar, says about this, about that passage. Jesus is saying that all the scriptures refer to him, not just a handful of passages. When it comes to the book of Psalms, It is not just a few psalms often quoted in the New Testament, but all the psalms that anticipate his coming. They reveal to us the glories and sufferings of Jesus. So Jesus, again, says, hey, the psalms are about me. Um, The book of Hebrews is ultimately about the supremacy of Jesus. The book of Hebrews, in really every way, points us to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, that he's bigger and better than anything or anyone. And the author, the author of Hebrews uses so many Psalms all throughout the book of Hebrews to make his case, which I think, again, is evidence that the Psalms ultimately find their bigger mountain, well, to go back to the metaphor, meaning and fulfillment in Jesus. Um, I think it's interesting. Jesus quoted the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. Bruce Waltke, he's another Old Testament scholar. He says, It seems as though the writers of the New Testament assume that the Psalms as a whole have Jesus Christ in view and that this should be the normative way of interpreting the Psalms. Some of you all are familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, man, an incredible book by Eric Metaxas on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It even What's cool about it is um, it gives kind of the theology that Dietrich had. It talks about he was involved, some of y'all have seen the movie Valkyrie. He was in the, the plot, uh, that assassination plot to kill Hitler. It even, ladies, even has a lot of his love story in there. Really good book called Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. You should totally read it. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the book of Psalms is the prayer book of Jesus in the truest sense of the word. Tim Keller, Christians can't help but see all the themes in the book of Psalms fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus himself used the lament Psalms to express his sorrow. So as we read the lament Psalms, we get a window into his heart, his pain, and his grief. Uh, What I want us to do tonight, and um, I won't be real long because I want us to be able to practice this here in a bit, but we're going to be in Psalm 22. And what I want us to do is Look at the stadium and look at the mountains in Psalm 22. Uh, I kind of have a twofold purpose of I want us to tonight, or really, I guess a threefold. One, to, to learn from Psalm 22 and how to cry out to God in desperation and to know that he hears us. Um, a second thing my hope for tonight is that as we read Psalm 22, we just rejoice in the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. And the third thing would be um, that you kind of, like I say, you put a tool in your tool belt of Bible study on how to see Jesus in the Psalms. You with me? 
All right. I want to read one more thing before we read the scripture. And this is, um, I think it's just helpful for, for understanding where Psalm 22 is going. And this is from Michael Morales. He's a professor of biblical studies. It says, when Jesus expressed, he's talking about Psalm 22. When Jesus expressed his anguish on the cross with the words of Psalm 22, he highlighted one of the precious facets of the Psalms in general. Namely, that is songs, they uniquely convey the inward depths of the soul and especially of Christ's soul. So not only do the Psalms help shape our response to God and the trials and joys of life then, but they also reveal to us something of the inner life of Jesus Christ. Glimpses we do not have through the Gospels alone. So a little, a little guiding thing before we read this. What we don't want to do is just like everything we read in the Psalms, tack it on to Jesus. But what we want to do is, as we read the Psalms, from what we know about Jesus from the Gospels, see, see the correlations. Does that make sense? Um, so this is not um, like hide and go seek. <laughs> Where's Jesus in the Psalms? No. <laughs> we're just, we're just, man, as we read it, I think because the Word is alive, and if you're a Christian, the Spirit within you, I, I think you won't be able to miss it. You with me? All right. So we're going to read Psalm 22 real close, and then we'll, we'll talk about it together. It's kind of long, but it's pretty epic. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Okay. <laughs> why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening, ravening, and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. By the way, this psalm, written about a thousand years before Christ, and if I remember right, gosh, I think 700 years before crucifixion was invented. Okay. Let's read that one again. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Hey, quick, I'm sorry. I can count all my bones. 
What in the world does that mean? Sorry, what? Someone back there? What? Go ahead. Okay, yeah, like, like skinny. I think, I, think, I think there's two. That is one for sure. I think that's part of it is like, um, so let's like just jump to the cross. Um, I, even just after that day, or really that night and that day, no water, no food, beaten because of the loss of blood. Like, yeah, I, no telling how much weight he lost. Think about how much, I don't want to get gross, but how much weight you lose in one night if you get the stomach bug. Like, way worse than that. You with me? So, yeah, I think skinny. But um, I think there may be even a, a bigger one. Before Jesus carried his cross and was crucified, what did they do to him? They, they flogged him. I think we forget, like, the passion of the Christ, while it really is very helpful in getting kind of an idea of what happened, um, because it, they had the stick with the pieces of leather tied to it, at the end of it was bone and... Uh, yeah, thank you. Literally ripped his flesh off. So when he says, I can count on my bones, it's because he can see them. Man. He can, like, from head to toe probably, he's got at least places ripped out where he can see his bones. So he can, so yeah, I think, Taylor, I think you're right. I think, like, as he's hanging on the cross, can probably count all his ribs, right? As he's completely, there's no fluid left in him. But also, I think he can, he can see his bones. They stare, 17. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. By the way, do you know there's a, a shift is happening? I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in all of him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard him when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Yeah. Before I even talk about it, is that song pretty amazing? And I want to say, maybe you've like read this and you're familiar with this concept we're talking about of kind of the, like the stadium in the mountains. Um, but isn't that when you think about, like, okay, I could think about this as being Jesus, totally fresh and heart-changing percep- uh, 
Perception? Incredible. Here's what I want us to do. Get back to my notes, sorry. Yes. Um, first, I want us, and don't be, don't be timid, I want us to think about, to go back to the metaphor, think about the stadium. So before we look at how this is talking about Jesus, I still think there's something even like kind of practical. Again, even the Jesus part is practical, but there's a, a practical application about when we're in anguish and suffering and trial. Um, so let's kind of hold on to the mountains. We're going to get to the mountains in a second. Think about the stadium. How did, how did I ask this? Um, I word this. Yeah, what's, what's the immediate meaning or maybe even a way to, I think, put it in words is if this was a story, what would this story be saying? First of all, let me ask you, did you see the shift? Struggle, anguish, crying out to God, hope in God, struggle, anguish, and eventually what? Rescue, deliverance, what'd you say? Victory, Victory yeah. Um, praise? Yes, absolutely, Jake, for sure. So, man, I'm going to put you on the spot in a big group, but what, if you could ask this as a question, so like if I was to, um, I haven't seen the new Lion King, but you could say like what happened when Scar took over whatever, the land, I don't know what it's called, the kingdom, um, Pride Rock. Eventually Simba rose up and took it back, right? That's a terrible explanation. I'm assuming you've all seen at least the old one. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, so if you could ask it as a question, like how, how might you word this? I'm going to get you started what happened? I would start with what happened. Are y'all tracking with me? Yeah, yeah, you're getting there. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. Any thoughts? I think Brittany kind of laid it out. Like, I, I may word it a little differently. And um, what happened when the psalmist cried out to the Lord in his suffering? What happened? And what's the answer? The Lord rescued him, right? Yeah, the one word answer, but victory, yeah. But the Lord rescued him. The Lord delivered him. Um, I think that's kind of like if I was trying to think about, man, what's kind of the, this psalm about? Man, suffering, anguish, pain, but still hoping in the Lord and trusting, and ultimately the Lord answered, right? Um, so what I want, this should be, I think, a little easier. What, it, what are some takeaways from that? First of all, before you answer that, when he's reading and he's like, sorry, in the, in the very first part when he's talking, he's like, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Why are you so far from my words? Meaning like, I feel like you don't even hear me. Has anyone ever felt that way? Gosh, I think we've, we've all felt that way. Like, God, do you even care? Are you even hearing me? Um, he says, God, I cry, in verse 2, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, I find no rest. <laughs> I, man, that's a low place. During the day, I'm talking to God. It's like, you don't even care. And at night, I can't even go to sleep because I have no peace. We've all been there. <laughs> if you haven't, just wait. It's coming. I have good news. <laughs> so thinking about this psalm and what we see happen, what what are some what are some takeaways? Like just some simple truths we can say, yeah, like yes, sir. 
Awesome. Yeah, because he did that, right? Did y'all hear Colin what he said? Look back on what God has already done. Because remember, like in verse, I think, Colin, once you were, you were talking about like verse three through five, maybe? Is that true? Oh, nine? Yes, absolutely. Like God's already taken care of me. Absolutely. Good. So yeah, when you're in the, so when you're in the struggle, look back and see how God's already been faithful. That's a good word. Yes, sir, James. He's got you, yeah. Even if you feel like he doesn't see you and hear you, apparently he does. <laughs> yeah, good. Wait, are you saying we could be honest with God? What? No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not picking. I'm like we sometimes are hesitant, right? <clears throat> <laughs> you know what's funny don't y'all like I man sorry this is the first example that comes to mind but I know you can think of an example like with Lauren it's funny it could go both ways so I'll, I'll make I'll like make me the bad guy here if I come in the house and like I'm like something's wrong isn't it like it's funny looking later on it's funny because she knows she can see it on my face so when she's like what's going on I'm like everything's fine She's like, just stop, right? Like, just tell me. Don't, don't we all do that with different people? Like, oh, your parents maybe even still, like, you go home at summertime or Christmas, like, what's going on? You're like, nothing, everything's fine. And they're like, you're killing me. <laughs> I wonder how often God is like, Brittany, come on. Just be real. Stop. I see you. I see your heart. I know you. <laughs> what else? What else can we take away from it? Bless you. Emily? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Yes, I think through the trial and in, in the victory, right? That's good. Anybody else real quick? Were you going to say something? Patience. Absolutely. Hey, I want to I encourage y'all because I, man, I, I, I know the feeling. The reality is when you're in a trial, most of the time, you feel like if we could just drop, if like all of a sudden we could just drop walls on this room, it feels like you're stuck, right? But the reality is you're not. And to go back to our metaphor, man, because I've used this for a different metaphor. With the Dodger Stadium, it's interesting. I've been, I've been, I guess, three, four games there. And there's been times I've been to the stadium, and I can't see the mountains because, take a guess, clouds. Or sometimes... I never thought about this. Sometimes clouds, and sometimes I'm just in the wrong seat. Like, I can't, they're there, I just can't see them. Like, same thing with God, right? I think you're bright enough, you get where I'm going with that. But just because you can't see the mountains doesn't mean they don't, they're not there. <laughs> Maybe you need a new perspective, change seats. <laughs> um, ask someone else if you can come sit with them because <laughs> you're in the cheap seats, you need better seats. Or... Um, Wait for the clouds to pass because eventually they will pass, right? Yeah, so patience, Meredith. I love the metaphor. Great job. <laughs> she said, Thank you. <laughs> um, man, I, I wrote this down because I needed to hear, like, knowing God hears you, knowing God hears you. I, more and more people struggle with anxiety and 
mental fatigue and stress and wonder if God's hearing you. And, and me, I would be one of those people. And uh, actually, it was back, right back there. We were singing and thinking about this psalm and asking God, help, I, want to, I want this to speak to me and not just me try to like give some talk. And I felt like God was like, I hear you, bro. Not just in that moment, but about like everything in my life right now. I hear you. Man, it's encouraging. Right here in Psalm 22. Now, okay, we talked about the stadium a little little bit. Um, Let's talk about the mountains a little bit. So I'm going to, just for sake of time, I'm going to tell you how I would maybe try to put this into like a question and answer. And while we're, since tonight is kind of teaching time, that's another tool to put in your tool belt. To me, if you can, when you're looking at a particular passage, it needs to be a natural unit. What I mean by that is, I'm not just picking random verses. I'm looking at, like Psalm 22 is a natural unit, right? It, it's a chunk of scripture that goes together. But if I can put the, that unit, that text, that block of scripture into a question and an answer, um, it helps me hone in on the big idea of that passage, right? If, if I, it's as funny as it seems, if I can't put a passage into a question and answer, for me, and I, I would argue probably for you too, you probably don't, understand how it all fits together. You may know some points, some ideas about it and some things about it, but you may not see how it all fits together. So that's just a little like tool to put in your tool belt. Um, I think, Brittany, some one of y'all has tried that before. Man, I'm thinking somebody different, but, and it's really helpful. Um, okay, so how I would put that into a question and answer, Psalm 22, thinking about Jesus, looking at the mountains, is um, what happened because Jesus suffered for us? God made a way for salvation. God made a way for salvation. Um, which, man, so because Jesus suffered, we get salvation. Because Jesus was forsaken, we get to be the family of God, which is really cool. Um, that's why I think when you read Psalm 22 and think about it as Jesus, it's like running into an old friend at Market Street because you're like, ah, I'm surprised to see you here, but gosh, it's good to see you. Because seeing you warms my soul. <laughs> and that's how I feel when I read Psalm 22 and think about Jesus. Um, what, are some, what are some connections? Obviously, probably need to look at the text. What are some connections that you see to Jesus? And I'm going to ask, because I think Psalm 22, what's maybe a little more unique about it is they're pretty explicit, right? Some, I think all the Psalms are getting tied to Jesus, but sometimes they're a little more abstract and like, Got to think a little more, but some of these, some of these are like Jesus just quoted, or even like in in the Gospels, like the bad guys did these exact things, right? So the bad guys, <laughs> um, to be as elementary as possible. Um, so I would look. What are some of the kind of explicit connections to Jesus? Don't be shy. Would you say eleven? Seven, sorry. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, turn, if you, uh, I would keep a finger in Psalm 22 and turn to Matthew 27, um, and you'll, these will start popping off the page to you. They're kind of scattered throughout. Um, but let me see here. Yeah, Matthew 27, there's so many, 
so many connections. And again, there's other, the other gospel accounts have very similar connections, but I think there, you can see a lot of them in, in Matthew 27. So yeah, like I said, they walked by and mocked him. Yeah, okay, verse, there it is, verse 39. And those who passed by, I'm in uh, Matthew 27, verse 39. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. What did, what did chapter 22 of Psalm verse 7 say? They wagged their heads. <laughs> Man. Say it again. 27, 29. What we got, Bo? What's it say? And twi- Where they mocked him, is that what you're talking about? Yes, they mocked him, absolutely, which is what verse 7 says, yeah. By the way, I think you could use Psalm 22, Matthew 27, in a loving, friendly conversation with somebody who doesn't believe in the authority of Scripture. I, this, I think it's pretty compelling. <laughs> Ridiculously compelling, actually. All right, what else? Keep them coming. Yes, sir, James. Absolutely, man. You know, I think a, a scripture uh, for that, James, I have it written here, is Hebrews uh, 4, 15 through 16. Don't turn there. I mean, you could, but you don't have to. And uh, Hebrews four fifteen through 16 says, um, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. <clears throat> Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may rejoice, excuse me, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah, so James, you're exactly right. As we read Psalm 22 and think about Jesus suffering and feeling forsaken and not heard by God, I mean, that's an encouragement to draw near to Jesus because he's felt that. I was thinking about, you know, there's a skit guys did a skit, it was really good, um, about, you know, it's like, uh, you don't know the pain I've gone through. And like, Jesus has every right to say, don't talk to me about pain. <laughs> like, we have no idea what he went through. Um, but again, what's so cool is he doesn't do that. He says, man, actually, I, I know what pain is like. I would love for you to tell me about it. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Right, hey, what are, what are some other specific connections you see? Yes, they cast lots for his clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Do I hear what she said about casting lots for his clothes? Thanks, Karina. What else? They pierced my hands and my feet. Yeah, that's probably the clearest one, right? Yeah, like, again, hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. <laughs> Man, blows my mind. Awesome. What else? Yeah. And then Jesus, that's what he says on the cross, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, my tongue sticks to my jaws. He's incredibly thirsty. Yeah, crucifixion, it, 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 so it could even, but thirst may be the worst part of it, or one of the worst parts. And really 14 through 18 altogether is like a picture of the crucifixion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bones, 
Absolutely. Hey, I want to point out two things real quick, and then we're going to let us practice. And I, I know we're, we're, uh, I don't want to take all your night. Um, one, it's just stinking awesome. Like, verses 20, really 22 through the end of Psalm 22 are just straight up encouraging. We think about like the, what we have in Christ, that the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, that as hungry as I am throughout this life and thirst for things, I can find satisfaction in Christ. Uh, and then just what a cool, I love verse 31. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That was me. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that people have come and proclaimed to me the righteousness of Jesus. And I can't help but in the end of verse 31, uh, pro- proclaim his righteousness to, to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. What did Jesus say when he, on the cross? It is finished. He done it. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Which, what? What is done? The, the work of salvation, the payment for sin, right? I was reading uh, Martin Luther's 95 Theses earlier, and like it, it, so much of that was about him arguing against the Catholic Church of saying you could, uh, at that time they were teaching, you could pay to, like literally pay for your sins, like literally pull out your wallet and pay for sins. Um, and again, maybe now we wouldn't do it that way, but we, we all try to pay for our sins in one way or another. And, it, and it's all foolishness because Jesus says, it's done. Like, I did it. Just turn to me. Man, such encouraging, encouraging stuff in Psalm 22. Um, all right, so here's what I want us to do. And this will be like take place of our connect groups tonight. And so don't worry, we won't be here forever, I promise. Um, first of all, I want to give you the opportunity. Does anybody have a question? Are you tracking okay? Cool. Um, so two things I want you to, I'll say, and then I'll give us instructions. First of all, so when you read the Psalms, I think it's a good practice to think about, okay, how can I identify with the psalmist and like learn from how he's crying out to God or whatever, but also what does this teach me about Jesus? Or how does this remind me of Jesus? <laughs> uh, man, that's really good practice. I think if you start doing that, you'll be super encouraged, bless you, and refreshed by, by doing that. Here's what I want us to do. In a second, we'll, we'll divide up. And I would say I want us to, um, let's do it this way. Let's get in groups like two or three here in a minute because I thought this could be potentially intimidating if you're like a newer believer but, or just like not done this much. But we'll get in groups of two or three. And what I want you to do is to pick a psalm, any psalm, and maybe not Psalm 22 since we just did it. <laughs> That's cheating. Uh, and I want you to... Walk through it together, and don't worry about the stadium. Just look at the mountains for this time, okay? So focus on just like, man, how can we, how does this point me to Jesus? Maybe of the suffering of Jesus or the victory of Jesus. Like Psalm 2 is all about Jesus coming and whooping some tail later. Like Psalm 2 is like bringing smack down. Not, not hippie Jesus when he was like, a teen, and like, not baby Jesus, not Jesus on the cross. It's like Psalm 2, he, he coming back and taking names, okay? Um, so how does, it, how does it connect to Jesus? And maybe I, I wrote this down. I can repeat it as many times as you need me to. I can come to your group. But a, a question to maybe like, because I feel like that's still a little vague, is how does what the psalmist, you don't have to write this down, it's kind of long. How does what the psalmist is experiencing or what the psalmist is writing about ultimately help me to remember and worship Jesus. 
So what's in the psalm, whatever he's saying or doing, experiencing, how does it help me to remember, think about, and worship Jesus? Because, man, don't forget, gosh, if I stop at, oh, cool, uh, I see Jesus in the scripture, then I'm no different than the Pharisees. If it doesn't move me to worship, then I'm, I'm missing something. I love what John Piper says that, uh, a, maybe it was Edwards, anyways, um, that uh, a delight is not complete until it is expressed in praise. So think about dudes just for a second. The first time you tell that girl how beautiful you think she is, as you say it, it's like she's even more beautiful, right? Girls, I can't, sorry, that's all I got. But um, it's like, as you say it, it's like, it's even more delighting. And so same thing with Jesus, really. It shouldn't be enough to just, oh, I see it in the scripture, but man, to, to worship him because of it. Psalm 22 should move us to worship, <laughs> should move us to delight in Jesus. So I'll pray, look at groups two or three, and pick any psalm, there's like 150 of them, so should plenty of options here. And find one and take, man, take five, 10 minutes to comb through it, see how it points you to Jesus, and then, and then just pray for each other. And I would say, man, uh, obviously you can pray for whatever is going on in your lives, but pray that we'll delight in Jesus. <laughs> and he, because he suffered, we get salvation. Because he was forsaken, we get to be the family of God should never get over that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll split up, and I'll be around. And instead of getting in a group, I'm going to kind of uh, wander so I can help you. Just raise your hand. I'll be happy to help you. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this group and an opportunity to, to just to study Scripture and hopefully learn a little bit about how to study it a little bit, a little bit better. And we are we're thankful for, for you, <laughs> for your sacrifice, for what you went through to redeem us, to deliver us. And God, I pray that tonight, uh, those who may be feeling discouraged or not heard by you or forsaken, that they would rejoice in the fact that, Jesus, you felt that. And we know that the Father does hear us and ultimately responds and provides rescue. And so help us to be patient, like Meredith said, and to have hope. And I pray that as we look at these Psalms, just for a few minutes, that we would marvel at the beauty of the mountains of Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.